This episode of the Fight Talk Podcast is brought to you in part by Vacated Title. Vacated Title is an elite design and lifestyle brand for wrestlers, promotions, and wrestling fans. VacatedTitle.com will be launching soon. And check out at Vacated Title on Twitter for the latest updates. Hey everybody, welcome to Fight Talk. This is Steven Jensen. Today's episode of Fight Talk is part one of my conversation with Doug Bateman. For those of you who don't know Doug, he is a well-known YouTube personality, used to put up a lot of videos, now not so much, but he still stays active on Twitter, talks a lot of pro wrestling, talks a lot of mixed martial arts. You can follow him on Twitter at DougDCBTito4LIF, that's spelled out D-O-U-G-D-C-B-T-I-T-O, for the number four LIF. I used to watch Doug's videos along with his friend Bill. They used to talk a lot about pro wrestling, a little mixed martial arts as well. They were big TNA fans when TNA was on the rise. And you can check out their videos on their YouTube page as well. Doug still keeps that active, but just doesn't post quite as often. He's a big Dallas Cowboys fan. So if you like football, he's a great guy to talk to about that as well. And Bill and Doug were two of my big inspirations for me even ever doing something like this podcast. So I watched them probably about 10 years or so ago blowing up on YouTube and I just didn't really know how to do this or if I should do it or if my opinion would be valued enough that anyone would even care to listen. It's about 10 years later and now I've got a podcast. Doug's still active on Twitter. He is a guy who really knows his stuff and he was really, really fun to talk to. Our full conversation went an hour or so and I'm splitting it up. So this episode is technically the end of our conversation, but it's going to be based on mixed martial arts. And then part two of the podcast that will come out next week, that's going to have our discussion on pro wrestling. So this episode is me and Doug Bateman talking some mixed martial arts. And then next week, you'll hear me and Doug talking some professional wrestling. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Fight Talk Podcast with Doug Bateman. Switching gears a little bit, let's talk some some MMA here. What are your thoughts on not necessarily CM Punk fighting in the UFC, but do you think he is going to get another fight? Because he's in such an interesting spot right now where, like, he's obviously not good enough to fight in the UFC, although they did give him an absolute killer in Mickey Gall for his first fight. No one knew that he was, like, a top 10, top 15 guy, you know? So, and, and Mickey Gall's a guy, actually the first UFC fighter who gave me the time of day uh, for an interview. So, and he was the nicest guy ever. It was, that was a tough interview. I've talked about that before, but I'm going into it, this giant CM Punk fan, you know, for like 15 years or whatever. And I'm interviewing the guy he's going to be fighting and the guy he's going to be fighting is like the nicest dude of all time. And I'm just like, man, what do I even, what do I ask this guy? And he was he was so he was so cool, Mickey Gall. And anyway, so you know, Punk has this fight and he gets smoked. We all saw it. But then, yeah, like I said, in hindsight, this guy also beat Sage Northcutt very convincingly. So, you know, I do you think he gets another fight in the UFC? I guess is my short question. But even bigger, if you want to elaborate on, you know, kind of the consequence if they were to release him kind of what the magnitude of CM Punk showing up at, you know, Bellator or something like that would be. Okay, so this is one thing. If Mickey Gall had fought Sage Northcutt before the Punk fight, Mickey Gall would have never even got that CM Punk fight. Like, no way. There's no way they would have made that fight. Very true. So it's, it's interesting in a sense that we didn't know necessarily how good the guy was that Punk is going against. My thing is, is the only shot that Punk has of getting another fight with the UFC is just they just don't have the cards, they don't 
just are looking for anything at this point. So I could totally see them trying it again. I kind of think it could be possibly a fight pass because then it's like you get your subscribers up and then on top of that, like you don't have to worry about necessarily the backlash because not everybody's going to see it. Um, but I, it could totally just also be on a Fox card, but I, I don't see it being on pay-per-view. I really don't. I think it's either going to be on a Fox card or I think it'll be on Fly Pass. Um, and my question is, the, the, the biggest problem I have with Punk in the UFC is when you have to, like, find a low-level mixed martial arts for Punk to fight, it doesn't sound like a fight that should be in the UFC. Yeah, I agree a thousand percent with that. And I think I heard that Punk actually turned down this next season of The Ultimate Fighter. Like, they were trying to put him on the reality show, and he turned it down, apparently. I don't know how legitimate that is. breakdown on the reality show. I think he would be absolutely miserable. And the problem with that, too, is he'd be the first one to be called out, and he'd get eliminated right off the bat. Because that's what happened with Kendo, right? I mean, they right. had Kendo on and Roy Nelson called him out immediately and it was over. It was just like, okay. So, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't really think that's a good idea either. I think it's a ratings grab, but I don't think it's very beneficial for Punk, so I could totally understand why he turned it down. Right, and it's really a, like a one-week rating grab, like you're saying. Like, when, when Roy Nelson beat Kimbo, it was one of the highest-rated segments on, like, Spike TV history, but then, like, that was... Right. Like, it peaked right there, and then it was all downhill from there. Right. Um, speaking of that, you brought up some something interesting when you were mentioning the lack of stars in the UFC. I, I think it's very interesting myself. You know, we have Conor McGregor, obviously... I uh, definitely want you to give me your your opinion on him. Uh, and Ronda Rousey is obviously, I mean, we may we probably won't ever see her fight again. For guys like us, I mean, I'd assume you were just like me, running these VHS tapes underneath the pro wrestling tapes of Blockbuster. Like, finding these things with Ken Shamrock's face on them and, and Tank Abbott and, like, just following this. And, and I know you were a big Tito Ortiz fan, and so was I. He's who really... Who really brought me in? Like that Tito Ortiz Chuck Liddell feud is. That's when I started buying these pay per views. Like Ortiz came out to break stuff with the fucking pyro in the background. Oh my god, man! Like that was that was awesome. And 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 now it's like the sport got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and they sold it. And now it's like there's too many events, there's too many platforms, there's too many hands in this cookie jar. The 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 matchmakers are leaving. The, the Mike Goldberg gets fired. It's like, what the fuck's going on in the UFC? What are your thoughts on this, man? Just kind of take the floor and say whatever you want about the UFC because I'd love to hear your opinion on this. So I was kind of the same way you were. You know, I rented tapes and I saw T. Ortiz and uh, Frank Shamrock. And I, I kind of watched that best of the UFC, but I remember on the best of the UFC they'd have like highlights by Tito and Frank. And I remember watching that and just thinking, my God, like, Frank Shamrock's the best man on the planet, right? And then, because uh, I remember Tito beating all of the Lions then guys, but then losing to Frank in the highlights or whatever. And then uh, I, I later found out that, like, Tito had become the champion, like, from the Zufa era, but it was, like, right when Zufa took over, right? So, like, I started going online, and I watched, like, highlights, and I saw Tito's entrance, and I was just like, oh, my God, that's amazing. And I remember um, being interested, but never intrigued enough to buy the pay-per-view. 
And then I watched that damn sports show, and Tito and Ken were going back and forth, and I was just like, okay, I have to see this fight. And then they loaded up the card with, like, Liddell and uh, Babalu, and then uh, they had... Uh, Robbie Lawler was the very first fighter I ever saw live on pay-per-view because he fought Tiki. Oh, man, that's wild. Yeah. that card also. And Robbie was, like, 20. I mean, he was really young. And I was just like, holy crap, this is for real. But anyways, I was kind of leaning towards Ken, to be honest with you, when I watched that fight, because I'm like, you know, pay-per-view, and like, Tito's cocky, and I remember Ken from the WWE and all that, so I was kind of leaning towards Ken, and I remember when Tito came out, I was just like, oh, wow, like, he just turned the switch on, like, that's not who he is, like, I, cause I didn't think he was taking the fight seriously, and then he just went in there and just absolutely destroyed him, and I was like, oh, wow, okay, this guy's legit. So... That's basically how I became a Tito fan. And then the whole Chuck Liddell feud and all that stuff. But I also was watching Pride. I got into, I, I ordered a, the Final Conflict with a Rampage and Chuck. Because I had heard about Rampage from like this guy I worked with. And then uh, Chuck was, you know, big with the UFC. So I went to watch that. And then I saw Rampage and Chuck and Rampage and Vanderlei that same night. And I was just like, oh my God, this is amazing. And you know, that card was loaded. It was like Crow Cop and Fedor and I mean everybody, Sakurama and Kevin Randall, and they were all on the card. So that 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 drew me into both. So then I started watching both. And you know, we've seen where UFC bought Pride and you know, then they end up buying Strike Force, which I think Strike Force is way better than they got credit for and I think it was it could have been something that could really have put the clamps on the UFC if they would have had the financial funding to keep it going. Dude, um, dude, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but they the the, the yeah. amount of the amount of stars that Strike Force wound up producing for the UFC, there's so many that came out of that. It's unreal. I mean, you go with Ronda Rousey, Daniel Cormier, Joel Romero, Rockhold, I mean Diaz, Nick Diaz was there, Overeem, Robbie Waller, I mean, you can go on and on and on. I mean, Tim Kennedy and Jacare and you know, even from other promotions, King Mo and I mean, it was just who's who, right? And they were really starting to build themselves. And Dan Henderson, and I mean, that granted, the UFC didn't, you know, Strike Force didn't make Dan Henderson, but it was a place for them to go if they didn't agree with the UFC, you know? So, um, yeah, Strike Force was amazing. But anyways, so they buy Strike Force, and then they really become this thing. And like you were talking about, too, like before, you know, the Tito Chuck days, all that stuff, like around that time, it was only like, six pay-per-views a year. Right. You know? Yeah. A lot of times it would alternate with Pride. So, you know, you still have something to look forward to, but I mean, now, I mean, it's just so many. And I feel like, especially on the TV cards, like for example, there's a card out here in Houston that I'm really not interested in with Bermuda and the Korean Zombie. I mean, it, it's a decent fight, but I mean, you know, but this is a pay-per-view place where they're, where they're having that show. They've never had, like, just a show there. They've only had, like, pay-per-views. Dude, that, I will say, I will say, I am my complete 100% honesty, I think that that is the weakest overall card they've ever put together, is that show you're, you're talking about. Right. And, they, and you're, you're, you're taking that to a place that, you know, had three title fights on a pay-per-view before. You're taking that to where GSG Sarah was. You're taking that to where uh, Daniel Cormier and Gustafson was, where Kane and Junior Dos Santos 3 is, and you're bringing that, you know? You're taking that 
Jimbo and freaking Dada 5000. <laughs> that was anyways, rough. Uh, I feel like the UFC has really become like a corporate sellout. It's it's very um, focused on entertainment base, which I'm not totally against. I think it is a big time entertainment company. It always has been. It's very pro wrestling like, um, but with real fights. But you need storylines, you need promos, you need all that stuff. Well, obviously, Connor's a, a great point in that. Um, but I just think like the way that they promoted that Ronda fight, that was a joke. That's that's the future. That's what they want. They want these like very entertainment like promotion. And um, I just I don't know. I don't I don't agree with him laying Gold Goldberg. I understand that bringing on a new voice and all that stuff, but and I don't really think that Dana's necessarily on board. I think Dana's just cashing out. And he's just doing whatever these guys want to do, and then he's done. You know what I mean? Oh, I agree. I agree 100%. Frank out. It's kind of took the heart and soul out of the UFC. And it does make me somewhat concerned, but I also have faith in Bellator, and I like Bellator a lot, and uh, I love Scott Coker. I kind of view Scott Coker as like the Paul Heyman of MMA. And uh, I just, I think that the more fighters leave, and the more these rosters get built over a Bellator, uh, it's just better for MMA in general. With Conor McGregor, and we were talking, we we're talking about like stars and star power in the in the UFC. Conor's really the only one who has like like real legitimate star power to where like he can really negotiate with the UFC. Like the Diaz brothers are are there too. Like they can really negotiate and, and get most of what they want. But Conor like can pretty much hold them ransom. And get pretty much what he, whatever he wants at this point. It seems like. I feel like they created a monster with Connor. I really do. I think they kept giving Connor an inch and inch and inch, and now they they have a monster on on their hands. And it's what's frustrating to me as a fan is after a Connor McGregor fight, you will want to see him fight more than ever, and it becomes the hardest thing to do to get that fight done. And. It seems like this is a pattern that is going to keep going and going and going until he retires. And, uh, I mean, the whole Floyd Mayweather mess, I think, is just stupid. Uh, it's obvious who would win in a boxing fight, like in a boxing match. I think the fact that Connor can even get Floyd to be interested is something that is very, um, it, it, it shows that his worst, right? Because Floyd wouldn't even acknowledge uh, a, a smaller MMA. Like, if Uriah Faber called out Floyd back when he was in his heyday, like, Floyd wouldn't even bring up his name. So, I mean, granted, Connor has got there. But it is such a typical Floyd Mayweather fight, too, where it's little challenge, big money, and he gets to add that 50 and 0 and put the embarrassment stamp on MMA. Of course he wants that fight. I mean, it's such a Floyd fight. And I wish Carter wouldn't sell out MMA to do it. But he absolutely will to get paid huge money. And, I mean, I don't blame him, and I think it would be good for an MMA fighter to make that type of money because then it kind of really sets a standard for for what some of these guys should be paid. But in the, in the same, same token, I mean, I don't necessarily want the MMA business to just go bankrupt because we're going to try to put on this boxing model either, you know what I mean? 
Right, right. And, you know, I think that as far as, like, as far as, like, Mayweather and Connor goes, I mean, we all, we all kind of all think around the same lines. Like, obviously, Mayweather smokes him if they're boxing, Floyd smokes him if it's MMA, but there's, like, that small chance, like, but if Connor caught him, which he's, he's not going to, but, but if he caught him, (laughs) he hits hard. Exactly. It's, it's wild. You know, I think that, I say it all the time on this podcast, like I think the best product for me, and this is me personally, as a fan of MMA and pro wrestling, if they can make it a pro wrestling type product but keep the fights legitimate, like that's the best thing I could probably watch. And I think Pride had it kind of in the sweet spot where they they had the characters. Some of the fights weren't were, were fixed according to a lot of people. So, I mean, you have that aspect of it too. But it was a show, and I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. They just never let it get out of hand. And, and, of course, MMA wasn't nearly as big as it was you know, now as it is. But that all being said, like with a guy like Conor McGregor and the power that he has, and they're always talking now about like these, these unions and the Ollie Act and all this stuff, I'm just really curious myself like to kind of see what's going to happen because let's just say Conor just decides not to fight in the UFC anymore. He's just like fuck it. I'm. Yeah. I made as much money as I needed to, and I can go do whatever I want. And then, then what does the UFC do? Left with all these shows and new management, and like you said, Dana White. I think he is checked out. He didn't call Mike Goldberg yeah. about his firing. He hasn't talked to him apparently. He he wasn't at any of the firings in like the the Canadian office and and all this stuff. Like he just isn't nowhere to be found. It was. It was essentially part of the deal, from what I understand. It was, we're going to buy this from you, but in exchange, Dana has to stay long enough for us to figure this thing out because it doesn't work without Dana. And he's just yeah. there along for the ride. What happens next? I mean, what happens if Connor doesn't come back? I mean, that's the thing, too, is I, I totally think the Khabib-Tony Ferguson fight is that exact what it is. In case Connor doesn't come back, this is your champion. Because you just never know, right? And... I totally think that Connor is going to do everything he can to make this Mayweather fight happen. I really do. And that would be whether, you know, he holds out until they let him fight him or whatever the case may be. I just think that's what he wants to do. I also think that Connor wants to retire way sooner than I think. I think that, you know, when he was leaning towards retirement or said he was retired and he said he was just joking and all that stuff. I think that's a bunch of crap. I think that he really wants out of the game. I think he, he, he's reached that mountaintop. And I also think deep down, Connor knows that guys like Khabib could really give him a run for his money. And it would be a tough, tough fight. And there's only he can make it for so long. But I will give him this. I mean, you know, I bet Alvarez swore up and down that, you know, he doesn't know why people fall for Connor's traps standing there with him when they can just take him down and pound him out and, you know, just be an actual mixed martial artist and go in there and display your skills. But, I mean, Connor smoked him. Connor gets extremely hard. And he, it's like you're not just fighting Connor, you're fighting Ireland. They all travel. And it's just like these guys get lost in the lights when they fight Connor. And uh, it's a big advantage for him. Yeah, all all great points. You know, I, and one one guy you mentioned in a matchup you mentioned, Tony Ferguson versus Khabib Nurmagomedov. 
that fight, I think, is awesome. It's a fight that I think needs to happen. Uh, both guys, where they're at in their careers, it's the right fight to make. Not a huge fan of the interim title, but do understand if Connor's going to hold them up, they got to do something. I, I agree 100% with you, though, man. I think if Khabib, I just don't see anybody beating Khabib, like, with the, with his style. You know, he, he's very he's very Damian Maya-like to me in the sense of, like, when he's on his game, I and I haven't seen anybody be able to just kind of fuck with what, what they bring to the table. Like, until I can see somebody get Khabib off of them, he should just get a title shot because, you know, no one can – no one's – yeah, no one solved the puzzle. And Damian Maya is kind of doing the same thing at welterweight right now with his jiu-jitsu. Shifting gears just a little bit, I want to get your opinion on this. Michael Bisbing, UFC middleweight champion, that's yeah. something none of us ever thought was going to happen probably. Right, 100%. Beat Stan Henderson. I thought that was a, a good fight. I thought it was a draw personally. Uh, what did you think about that one? Uh, I think it could go either way. I wasn't offended by either decision. Uh, and the thing is with this thing, like, he's a guy I never thought would be champion. I just never thought he was that good. I'm still not sure how good he is, but he's earned my respect at least. I mean, he's, he's won a lot in the octagon. He's fought whoever they put in front of him. I mean, you got to give him credit. The way that he smoked Luke Lockhold like that, like, I mean, you got to give him credit. So, but yeah. I think Yoel Romero would rip him apart. Yeah. He knows that. Yeah, I think he does too. You know, I think that he's he's just in, like, I've never really seen a position, like a champion in this kind of position before, where I agree with you as far as respecting Michael Bisbing, and he took advantage of a situation. Like, there there was multiple yeah. people ahead of him that couldn't make the walk, and he made the walk, and he won. And he did yeah. it fair and square and defended against Dan Henderson, and that was legitimate. But yeah. it's so weird to see a guy like Bisbing because it seems like him and Woodley kind of to the same extent, but I want to ask – I want to get your opinion on Tyron Woodley too after this. But Michael Bisbing's in this in this spot where like it's best for him to call people out outside of the division and get big fights because the next time he defends his title, he's probably gonna lose, whether it be Romero or Jacare, who's been, you know, looked over for a title shot for the last four years. There's there's these guys who are just sitting there waiting. And if Bisbing loses to one of them, I could very well see him retiring after he loses his belt. So I think he's just trying to get the biggest fights possible and make the most money he can while he can. He's done. He, he's, he's just waiting. You know, he knows that he's, he's he, as soon as he loses, he's going to retire. And I think he's even admitted that. So I think it's just about, you know, wanting to That's why he was all for the GSP fight. That's why he wants the McDiaz fight. Like, because you know, Romero isn't really a big money fight, and it's a monster risk, and he knows it. And so I just... I, I think that he's definitely ready to check out. Um, and I think also he can't have surgery on his eye to get that thing fixed until he actually retires. So I'm sure he wants to get that done, especially if he's going to start doing movies and stuff. Yeah, he's got the, the Shawn Michaels eye thing going. <laughs> yeah, it's a little worse. It's like black iris. Yeah. A name you just brought up, uh, I've I've made it well-known on my show uh, plenty of times, but my favorite fighter of all time is Nick Diaz. And, yeah. you know, it's... And I know you're a big fan, too, and it's it's like the most frustrating thing in the world when 
everyone knows the situation that he's in and the reasons for him being suspended are absolutely ridiculous and we can go on all day about just the wrongs of this man and the, the amount of his prime that's been taken from him it's it's sickening in my opinion but he gets off suspension and they start offering him fights and now he is negotiating money and i understand from his perspective like the game's definitely changed since he's been gone he definitely needs to make more money because he's definitely on an old contract I, I get his perspective, but who do you want to see Nick Diaz fight when he comes back? I think the best fight would be him and him and Connor if they could somehow make that happen. But I don't I don't know like where do you see him fighting? Because he could fight welterweight or middleweight. He might get a title shot right away. Like Woodley wants to fight him. Yeah. Uh, what do you think's next for Nick Diaz? So here's my problem with the Diaz brothers. Like I love both of them, right? Right now, they are both full of crap. Okay, for one, Nate will only come back to fight Connor, and the UFC has offered Nick Connor, Tyron Woodley, uh, Robbie Lawler, uh, and then they offered him Damian Maya, which if he's turned all these others down, he's going to turn this one down too. Um, and so my point is, what? What fight does Nick Diaz want? In my opinion, the only fight that Nick Diaz will take right now is if they offer him GSP. Because he's got a, an idea that he needs a money fight and his brother Nate needs a money fight. Nate's money fight is Connor, and that's why he won't step into that, which is very admirable, and you got to respect that, that he won't take money out of his brother's pocket. But, so the only other big name that Nick brings up and that was one of rematch and all that is GSP. And I personally have no desire to see him and GSP fight again. And I would love to see him and Connor fight. I think if Connor fought Nick at 170, I think it would be a terrible fight for Connor. I really do. Um, he's just too big. And I think that he, if you want to talk about fireworks though, man, I mean, that promotion would just be bonkers. Uh, but what I have a problem with, too, with Nate is, Nate is, I want to see what Nate Diaz is worth is now that he's fought Connor twice. He's been part of the biggest pay-per-views in UFC history. He's beat Connor before. Put him in there with somebody, and let's see just what he is worth. But he refuses to do that, and he only wants to ride Connor's coattails. And that is very frustrating to me as a fan, and it's very frustrating to me as a fan also with Nick is that you finally got off the suspension and now you're turning down every single fight. I mean, to me, the fight that I want to see Nick fight is Robbie Lawler. I think it makes all the sense in the world. They're both kind of at the same point in their careers. And, you know, uh, they, they had the fight at, 40, at UFC 47. Nick knocked him out. Uh, I, just, I would like to see that fight again. But. Yeah, I definitely want to see that fight also. Apparently, like, Lawler had agreed 100% to the fight and Nick just flat out turned it down. So that's, yeah, yeah super frustrating. Well, it's like, what else is new? Like, all Nick is doing is turning down fights. And I want to see him fight somebody, you know? I'm a fan. And I feel like that they've got hung up in this big money crap. And I, and I feel like this is a problem in general, right, with, with these champions. So you want to talk about Tyler Woodley, same thing, where this guy, like, struggles to get a title and then he finally gets a title shot 
and he becomes champion. And then all of a sudden, it's like, I play all the cards. I'm the star, blah, blah, blah. And then he claims racism as an issue of why he's not getting the promotion that he should. And it, it in all honesty, he's a guy that has choked so many times in big fights, and he landed a lucky right hand, or whatever you want to call it, and dropped Robbie, Robbie Lawler for the win. Barely got by Stephen Thompson, won the fight on a draw, and felt like he didn't have any obligation to give him a rematch. Uh, Woodley frustrates me a lot because he's kind of a front runner too, where he'll look great for a little bit, and he wants to talk about how he, he dominated Wonder Boy and all this stuff. He's the one that was constantly backing up against the cage, constantly allowing Wonder Boy into the fight. Like I know he rocked him, and I know he hurt him, and he had him in trouble couple of times, but he's the one that kept giving him position to let Wonder Boy go to get back into that fight. So now he acts like he's just this huge draw and people want to see him and all this stuff, and that's just simply not the case. Yeah, I think he's a hypocrite in, in a lot of ways myself, yeah. and I think that and he's... On top of that, too, this guy wanted to talk about how, where's my title shot, where's my title shot, like, he didn't beat a lot of top contenders to get there and Johnny Hendricks couldn't even make weight and it was basically viewed as a win for him. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Like, I think he won like four in a row or something and then all of a sudden it was like, Who's my title shot? Who's my title shot? And, but, I, and I think Damian Maya deserves a title shot, but at the same point, like God dang, I mean, he has the charisma of a nap and it is an entertainment business and I think you put him in there, he's a dangerous fighter, but, like, I don't see him selling a lot of pay-per-views. So, I don't know. He's going to be, he's going to have to really be impressive to to get it one because I don't think the UFC wants that to happen. No, man. Oh, that's that's so funny. You said he has the charisma of a nap? Yeah. That's fucking hilarious. I'm going to use that. <laughs> Tyron Woodley, like I was saying, he's kind of, like, you make good points, and, and it's kind of like the stuff that I talk about, too, with, like, he waited so damn long for a title shot without doing like people don't forget at least i didn't like the whole nate markhart fight like that wasn't that long ago like that many fights ago rather he got roasted i mean combination out cold destroyed he's he's a lot kind of like king mo in a sense that like king mo will talk all the crap in the world and act like he's the greatest fighter and get rocked every single fight you know what i mean like, well, speaking of him, uh, what do you think about that rematch with Rampage coming up in Bellator? Uh, I'm not liking him facing fat Rampage. Like, Rampage is now basically not allowed to cut weight due to some little condition, health condition he has. And so, like, fat Ramp- like, Rampage has a figure of, like, 185 pounds. That's really what he should be. And he puts on a little bit of mass or whatever to fight at 205. I mean, when Rampage is like 225 and not shredded at all, no muscle, it's just kind of, so I don't like that fight. And that's one thing with Bellator, like, I want to see, if, if you are going to have old fighters, I want to see the guys still look like they can fight and contend. I don't want them to look way past their prime. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, for sure. Let's like, talk about, let's talk about Chell and Tino. Oh, dude, dude, well, yeah, I can't believe I haven't brought that up with you yet. You're a, 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 basically a lifelong Tito fan. What were your thoughts on all that, yeah. man? Yeah, talk about that. We'll, so, we'll, we'll finish I, the show off I on that. I personally think that Chell Sonnen takes dives. 
I'm not necessarily, and, and I, if it was a work, which I don't think it was, but I do think that once Chell gets in a bad position, he has no problem quitting at this point because he's already gotten paid. And if you look at the Rashad Evans fight that he had, as soon as he got clipped, he takes a dive, right? He falls down, he covers up. John Jones, same thing. He even kind of hinted at it when he talked about building up the Vanderlei Silver fight, like, I know what to do, Vanderlei. Like I've got this, and I'll even I'll I'll take my lumps when it's time. You know what I mean? Like he somewhat understands it. But I do think, and even when I heard this fight, and I couldn't believe that people were like not giving Tito a chance. I was like, you kidding me? Like I'm like Tito is going to be so much bigger than him. Like chill without steroids at like what 199 pounds against Tito when he cuts weight. I mean, by the time he puts his weight back on, he's like 230, 232. Uh, he's going to be able to dominate position. And I'm like, if he gets on top of Chell, it's going to be bad news. And as soon as Tito hit Chell with one shot, Chell gave his back. And, and I knew that once Tito put the squeeze on him, he wasn't getting out. Like, people forget how strong Tito is. I mean, and especially if you're going to get in a, in a position like that against Tito in like the first minute. First couple of minutes, uh, you're screwed. So, yeah, I, and I don't see a bright future for Chell. I see Chell basically taking big fights and losing big fights. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we even see that Chael Vanderlei fight. I just don't think it's ever going to happen. Like it's been promised so many times. I just don't see it ever, ever taking place. And both guys are so far to their prime at this point. Like, I mean. I just, I'm just not that excited about it, I guess. And that's sad, being such a big fan I mean, of Pride, you know? I'm in a tough position, right, because they, they, they're getting some names, and that's good. But man, some of these guys are old. And losing Tito hurts, man. I mean, he was one of their big drives, and, and you know. And, and that's another thing, too. And if you look back of when Tito lost to Forrest, which is a very close fight, and that was his last fight in the UFC, if he never went to Bellator... Uh, I think that his legacy is worse than what it is now. I think him going to Bellator actually helped his career. Uh, winning three of his last four fights, I mean, that that was pretty good for him, especially because I remember when he first walked through the doors and, to announce his fight rampage, and I was just like, oh my God, this is going to get ugly. Like, I felt bad for him. Yeah. And, you know, he, he did okay. So I give him props for that, and, and I love the way Bellator treated him, and Paid him a lot of respect, and I thought that was great. But I did see that Dana said that Ryan Bader is good for Bellator, so it looks like Bader's going to Bellator, which I think is a great move for him. Yeah, he's uh, he's one of those guys. That, yeah, yeah, I, I he's almost in that uh, kind of like Rory McDonald type situation when they brought yeah. him over. Like he's like yeah. right there, like the top handful of guys in the world at their weights and. Uh, but I don't want to get off Tito just yet because I did want to ask you, and I do agree with you 100% on, I think that it did help his legacy for him to go, go to Bellator and end on top. And I think he looked great. And it's the major Tito Ortiz question every single time, was that really his last fight? And I, dude, he looks so good. I, as like an old school Tito fan, I'm like, oh man, I kind of want to see him fight again. He looked so good. But the other part of me is like, so many surgeries. He finished on top, like right off into the sunset. Uh, would you like to see him fight again, or are you just like, dude, that was the best way to go out? Just leave. Uh, no, I don't want to see him fight again. I think that's the best way to go out. And you know, Chell's a pretty big name. I mean, to go in there just to 
people in jail like that. Like, never in jail for the guy or whatever. It's a big name. It wasn't like he just beat some, you know. Yeah, it wasn't like he just beat, like, uh, Flamenco like he did in the game when he got there. Like, it, it, was, it was beating a well-known name. And so, I think it's good. And I love the way they send him off and everything. And, and like he said, too, you know, he was trying to get out of that guillotine and he was, like, on his neck and did you did you by any chance see that earlier today they signed over Bellator since since we're talking about Bellator uh Michael Venom Page versus Paul Daly What what kind so, of chances? And, and I think MVP is one of their like true stars that they have that they can really make something out of. Yeah, man, he's a homegrown guy, and uh, so many people. If you've never heard of Bellator, most people have at least heard of or seen that clip of him and Evangelista Santos. And yeah. I mean that alone is like I'm gonna tune in. Be I'm not I'm not a fan of that happening to people, obviously, but. Just to know that this guy possesses that type of power, and he's this young guy, and and Paul Daly can can turn your lights off right away too. So I think that's a great yeah. fight. Do you have a prediction in that one? I'm probably towards Paul Daly. I just think that yeah, MVP doesn't have the experience yet, but uh, if MVP wins, it wouldn't like overly shock me because I've also seen where Paul Daly just doesn't show up sometimes when he barely gets by. Dude, yeah, he's coming off give that. Me, give me Lorenz Larkin versus uh, Melvin Mayhoff. Ooh, I like that. I like that. He's coming off that knockout of Neil Magny, right? That was his last fight? Yeah, and he looked really good. And uh, he was from Strikeforce as well, so, because he beat Robbie Wallace. Oh, yeah. That was at, uh, at Middleweight, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Red 70 in Bellator isn't that bad at all. I mean, you've got uh, Lima, you've got... Good deal, man. Well, I could talk to you forever, but I I really, really appreciate you coming on, and we definitely got to do this again soon. Would you like to plug anything, like your Twitter, anything you got going on, your YouTube? Uh, yeah, if you can plug my Twitter. I don't even know what my stupid name is, but um, I'm always on Twitter. If you want to see, like, the real Doug, and if you really want to, like, know what he's thinking, then you want to follow me on Twitter. It's uh, Doug, DCB. I'm going to leave you with this, uh, this last closing thought here, because we'll always be linked, uh, me as a Vikings fan and you as a Cowboys fan. I'd like to say you're welcome for the whole uh, Herschel Walker thing that really, (laughs) (laughs) that really, that really, uh, that really put us behind for a while, uh, and you're welcome for that, so. Yeah, that that really uh, kind of put us in, got us a couple championships. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, man. All right, Doug. I gotta get out of here, man. All right, Doug. Well, you have a good one, buddy. All right, see ya. All right, and that will wrap up part one of my conversation with Doug Bateman. 
the reason you hear us saying goodbye to each other at the end of that is because that was the end of our conversation, but part one of the podcast. I know it sounds confusing, but it made more sense. We talked MMA. I wanted to get an MMA podcast out there sooner. Simple as that. So that was part one of our conversation here on the Fight Talk podcast. Part two, me and Doug will be talking about professional wrestling, and that will be available next week. You can subscribe on iTunes to find that, as well as Podomatic. Please rate and comment on the podcast as well. It helps the podcast out a lot. It really does. Please follow me on Twitter at FightTalk underscore. That's at F-I-G-H-T-T-A-L-K underscore. You can also find my merchandise, my t-shirts, my hoodies, my tank tops, kids, adults, women, children. I got stuff for everybody. You can find that at whatamaneuver.net. That's whatamaneuver.net. Please check that out. I really appreciate everybody who's supporting the Fight Talk podcast. Thank you guys very much for listening. Also, follow Doug on Twitter. His handle is at DougDCBTito4Life. That's spelled out D-O-U-G-D-C-B-T-I-T-O, the number 4, L-I-F. Doug, DCB, Tito, 4, LIF. Keep your eyes out for more contests, more giveaways. I'll be giving away more WWE Mystery Mini Vinyl figures very shortly on Twitter as well as Facebook, so keep your eyes out for those. And if you need a t-shirt in person, let me know. Hit me up on Twitter, hit me up on Facebook, call me, text me, whatever you got to do. I'll get you guys out everything that you need. More stuff coming soon. And like I said, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. And there's more content coming. I'm doing more podcasts, getting more content out for everybody. Thank you guys very, very much for listening. And I'll be back soon. The episode you just heard of the Fight Talk podcast was brought to you in part by Vacated Title. Vacated Title is an elite design and lifestyle brand for wrestlers, promotions, and wrestling fans. VacatedTitle.com will be launching soon, and check out at Vacated Title on Twitter for the latest updates.